It's time to talk about all things mental health. This is Get Mental with Cecile Ahrens. As a seasoned licensed therapist, Cecile is the owner of Transcend Therapy and is here to inform, guide, and connect you on the big and small everyday happenings that affect our mental and emotional well-being. Cecile is passionate about making a lasting and positive impact on people, connecting them to their own wisdom and strength while having a little fun along the way. Get ready to challenge the power of your human spirit. It's time to get mental. And now here's your host, Cecile Ahrens. All the things they say should matter, corrupted by the senseless chatter. everybody. I am here today, Transformation Tuesday. Welcome for be- uh, Thank you for being here to talk about something that is so topical and appropriate right now. Um, and I'm calling it election-induced stress, okay? Um, this is not a formal diagnosis. There is no such thing in um, the mental health field as ele- election stress disorder, but we are starting to see how the political landscape is changing the conversations we're having in the room, sorry, in the room, in session with other folks. And I do believe that um, there is such a thing as election stress, but it is not technically a disorder or not yet anyway. Hopefully it doesn't become that. And that's the reason I'm doing this talk is because I want to equip you guys with insight and real practical tools to help you navigate intense emotions, intense reactions that you may be having towards your loved ones, friends, community, partner, um, and whatever else. So, or even just, you know, in general, it might be affecting your mood, okay? So what I'm gonna do is I wanna talk about what is election stress first and foremost. It is characterized, one mental health expert characterizes it as hostility, devaluing, and resentment, okay? Hostility, devaluing, and resentment. And guess what? We are seeing so much of that right now in our country, in our media, okay? So hostility can be a symptom of other mental health issues like PTSD, brain trauma, or traumatic brain injury, substance abuse, uh, depression, anxiety. So that's not the kind of hostility I'm talking about here. Hostility in as a, as a personality type, as a coping skill um, to the political climate that we're up against. So I want to give you guys a definition, a psychological definition by... Um, a man named George Kelly, and he said that hostility can be seen as the willful refusal to accept evidence that one's perceptions of the world are wrong. Again, the willful refusal to accept evidence that one's perceptions of the world are wrong. So if you think about that um, definition, to me, it makes sense why a lot of us are not getting along with each other and why some people tend to become hostile. Because as humans, we have this need, this powerful need to be right. And so if we think we're right, that means someone has to be wrong, okay? If we think we're right, that means someone has to be wrong. 
And if there are enough people who don't agree with what we believe in and we think we're right, right, in our reality bubble, then you can see why it can feel like a threat to you. Because, you know, if you have a need to be right and if your sense of safety and security is, you know, so dependent upon this belief, it really can put us in survival mode. Okay, so I want to talk about that a little later because I want to describe the psychological processes that I believe is happening to some of us. Okay, thanks for watching, Jeremy. So one of the definitions, like I said, is election stress is, or is election stress disorder, as this gentleman calls it, is characterized by hostility, devaluing, and resentment. And for me, what I'm seeing in my practice, it's being, it's presenting clinically in excessive anxiety, hyper arousal, meaning you're just like amped up, you can't relax, you're restless, you're just patiently waiting for the election results because somehow, your mental health or your peace depends on it, okay? So there's kind of an excessive quality to it. Uh, there's a sense of hopelessness, helplessness. There's a sense of, for some people, depression, okay? I had somebody message me the other day who is experiencing panic attacks. She's waking up in the middle of the night, um, throwing up sometimes. And this is why I was compelled to talk about this again, because people are really suffering. And if you're one of those people, stick around because I really wanna give you guys hopefully uh, a, a practical way an effective way to navigate this okay so that's what I'm seeing in my clinic in my office hyper arousal excessive anxiety um, a lot of depression a lot of hopelessness about the world a lot of helplessness a lot of powerlessness a lot of um, conflict with significant others, a lot of social withdrawal if because, you know, they can't handle another conversation where another person is not in agreement with them. And again, that goes back to what I was saying two minutes ago, where hostility, as this gentleman defined it, George Kelly, is the willful refusal to accept evidence that one's perception of the world are wrong. And the thing is like, what if no one has to be wrong, right? What if we're all kind of right, right? What a radical concept but like why does somebody have to be wrong you know and I'm not you know I'm not talking about Donald Trump okay I'm just talking about like in your day-to-day -day interactions with other people you know why do we have to get into hostility devaluing and resentment as this gentleman defines election stress disorder and so for me as a therapist of course I'm always analyzing human behavior I think what's happening is not just the cognitive distortions which I talked about I think a week or two ago right when we get into all or nothing thinking, black and white thinking, we catastrophize, we do emotional reasoning. And if you guys want to look this up, because I can't, you know, cover all of this in one talk, please look it up. Um, it's called cognitive distortions. And we all have them. It's just about a mat. It's a matter of knowing when we're having them and finding ways to redirect it. And there's a specific form of therapy called CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. If you're interested, look it up. So that's one of my um, theories is that there's a lot of cognitive errors going on amongst us. And then the other piece is that when we feel threatened, right? When we feel threatened because of what we're believing about what might happen in the world if this person were to lead or that person were to lead. Because as a therapist, I have the luxury of hearing both sides. And sometimes, frankly, I'm tired of it. 
but this is where people are at mentally and emotionally. So when we feel threatened by another person's point of view, it puts us in survival mode, okay? This is my other theory about that. And survival mode destabilizes us because it's about survival. You can't think beyond anything else because you're just trying to like get through the moment, right? And you can sometimes feel that in your body if you start, you know, your heart starts beating fast maybe. You're tensing up, sometimes shortness of breath. An extreme example of that is when my client told me she woke up you know, having panic attack, panic attacks and throwing up in the middle of the night. You know, her system was so hyper aroused and threatened that even though she was sleeping, she was still processing this. Her body was still processing this and therefore it manifested in that. And that's when you know, you know, the nervous system is not in a, not feeling safe and stable, okay? So there's a mental health price to pay with all of this. It's not as harmless as we think. Preoccupation is another um, sign, especially in the mental health field. You know, when you're fixated and preoccupied, something else might be going on. No, no illness, no disorder. You know, that's not what I'm talking about. But it's just something to look at as far as what is happening to me and for me that I am having this intense reaction. Okay, so I'm gonna talk about that again a little further. But what's happening? Cognitive errors. It puts us in survival mode, which is the fight or flight system in our body sometimes a freeze mode but not a lot of people aren't in freeze mode because there's a lot of action and anger and hostility happening so there's more of the fight or flight that's happening to us psychologically and these are primal responses okay these are so primal it goes all the way back to caveman years when we get to that level of reactivity we are evolutionary wired to re, you know to protect ourselves the problem is the threat your assessment of the threat might not always be accurate but your body doesn't know that your body can't tell whether you're really being attacked by a tiger or you're imagining that you're going to be attacked by a tiger okay I hope you guys are following me. If you have any questions, please uh, feel free to ask. So there's that thing going on with us psychologically. And it's a very powerful process when you're in survival mode, right? Again, it threatens our sense of safety and stability. The other thing too, and you know, this is probably mainly with a lot of the people I serve because I specialize in trauma, is trauma can be reactivated and re-triggered in this kind of environment. You know, when there's a lot of um, anger and hostility and back and forth and whatever else that you're uh, witnessing in the media. For some people who've had a lot of traumatic experiences where maybe they they experience that kind of stuff in their home or you know with the me too movement a lot of in my opinion kind of trauma-based reactions as well because you know a, a, a lot of folks including myself have been sexually abused so we're gonna have our own reactions about that right so trauma can activate and so the activation can then create all of these kind of intense reactions and unpleasant emotions which then ultimately can resolve result 
in behaviors that may not be functional or healthy for you or the people around you, such as anger, hostility, you know, internalization. What that means is like you are turning what's happening into untrue statements about yourself and kind of making it all about you or your family when so you lose some objectivity um, because you're processing it through that filter um, so some of this is more complicated to explain but you know I'm trying my best to kind of simplify it the other thing too is when we're really angry and triggered that creates a dissociative response in us okay not for all of us but for some of us because dissociation has a protective function to dissociate or disconnect from this person or this group or this event is a way that we cope with things is a way that we preserve and protect ourselves so why am I talking about that? Because the danger in a pattern of disconnection and dissociation, even though it has its purpose because it keeps us kind of alive and functional, if you do that in the long term, what happens is you can start to dehumanize a person or a specific group because of, you know, uh, because you guys don't agree, right? And because there's something about that person or group that feels threatening to you. So the feelings belong, the the feeling threatened belongs, and I'm gonna talk about this more, I promise, when I talk about how to cope, the feelings belong. We just don't wanna get stuck in it because that is what creates the anger, anxiety, depression cycle, okay? The anger, anxiety, depression cycle. And the thing is, my, my fear is that people are waiting on this election to be over. This is not going anywhere, you guys. This is not going to be done when the election is over. This is going to have long-lasting effects because A, we don't know when they're going to be able to announce that there's president, a president uh, who won, right? So it's not a traditional election. And B, those people, whichever party doesn't win, their beliefs and their resentments and their feelings about it are not going to go away. For some people, depending on how they process it, it's just going to get worse. Okay, it's the narratives are gonna get thicker and richer. So this is why I really just, I wanna offer you guys another way to think about this, okay? So, um, I have a lot of notes here because this is a big topic. So, and there's not a lot of literature about this, by the way, too. So, um, a lot of this is my own, you know, experience and personal clinic, professional, personal clinical opinion. The other thing I wanna talk about is powerlessness. When we feel powerless and helpless, we, there's a tendency to over control, over control the information, over control this, over control that, over control the narrative, you know, like we kind of get into hyper functioning mode. And again, it's not our fault. It's how we're wired. We're, you know, this dates back to prehistoric times. Our brain is wired for survival. So anytime we feel like there's a threat, and in this case, this is, this is a moral threat and a psychological threat to a lot of us, then it makes sense why we, we end up reacting in the way that you're seeing now, okay? But, you know, in my world, there's a thing called internal family systems. I'm going to deviate here for a second. So an internal family systems theory, there we have a core self. That's our wise, healthy self. That's, you know, that's the one that makes really awesome decisions, the one who stays calm and centered and, you know, um, has equanimity, has wisdom. We all have that. 
okay? But most of the time, our parts, not our self energy, our parts are the ones that drive the bus of our lives. So parts are, you know, they carry a lot of pain and kind of uh, unresolved stuff, you know. Um, it, they're not bad. It's just there's a lot of um, issues that still need to be, there's unmet needs, basically. Again, I'm trying to simplify this. So what's happening, if you apply that in the current political environment in America, what you're seeing is a battle of the parts, okay? Parts get parts. But imagine if we had more core energy operating, you know, and I would... I would say, I hope I'm not going to offend anybody, you're going to see a lot of parts in a lot of our politicians, especially the president, right? There's not, there's not a whole lot of core self going on, you know, but that applies to a lot of them, not just him. So there's, and again, there's a matter of degrees, I get that, but if you start to conceptualize this as, oh, look, they are also having their own psychological process and their own response and their own reaction to what's happening, which then now trickles down to us right hopefully that might be easier for you not to get so hooked not to get not to get so enmeshed in the dysfunctional dynamics that's happening out there and social media unfortunately has given us a platform to be hooked and to be engaged in this dysfunction. You know, it has not been healthy, right? And that's actually one of the theories if you watch Social Dilemma, which I highly recommend on Netflix, these engineers walked away from many of the models that they designed for the big tech companies because they started to have moral dilemmas about what it is that they've created unintentionally with social media and how it's polarized us even more and how it's destabilized us. And I truly think there's a lot of um, wisdom in what they're saying. So if you're interested in that, go ahead and please watch it because this all ties into what you're experiencing on the streets now and what we're seeing, you know, this, this very toxic interaction that's happening among us. And there's a better way, okay? So here's my personal professional suggestion on how you guys can open up to a new way of relating to this okay so the first thing is let's do a little bit of a reality check okay let's see and do an inventory of what is our life really anchored on is it anchored on one election is it anchored on one president is it anchored on one party i really hope not because if that's the case you can see how fragile your sense of wellness is going to be you know does that make sense like i understand i studied feminism in college it was one one of my favorite subjects the personal is political that is the one thing you know from my years of education that i actually <laughs> feel like really helped me and you know I, that i still take with me today so the personal is political, I get that. And the personal, the, the political processes affect us on a personal level, right? Many people might not view it that way, but that's the reality. If you have a policy here, it's gonna trickle down and affect one group on a personal level and so forth. So I understand some of the things we're fighting for, but the problem is when we think that the solution or the ultimate power for the trajectory of our lives solely resides on one party, one election, one politician, we're gonna be in trouble because guess what? If the person I vote for doesn't win, I'm gonna keep doing me. I'm gonna keep going, doing my life, filling my own cup, working around the changes that might happen, you know, and focusing on the things I 
can control, which takes me to the next coping skill, right? So the first thing is reality check. Anchor, who is your anchor? What is your anchor? What is your foundation? What are you gonna do when all else falls apart? Who are you and what defines you outside of these processes, right? So we call that internal locus of control, okay? So there's a lot of psychological stuff here I'm dropping because that's, this is the stuff nobody's talking about. So internal locus of control means I'm going to continue to be centered and be intact to the extent that that is possible. And my worth and dignity is going to remain regardless of what's happening outside of me. Like I don't need that to validate what I believe and what what I stand for. And I don't need people to necessarily agree with me. I don't need to over control. I don't need to over function. I don't need to control the narrative. I don't need to do any of that because I believe in what I believe and I'm okay with that and I'm okay with what other people believe and I'm gonna focus on what I can control that's the spirit or essence of internal locus of control external locus of control which is huge I use this a lot in my assessment when I'm working with people because it tells me kind of where to start and how to support them so external locus, locus of control is typically when you see a lot of what's called, and I hate this term, but I can't think of anything better right now, quote unquote, victim mentality. This is when, you know, you're, when a lot of people with external locus of control tend to think that the world is just happening to them um, and that, you know, they're kind of just a slave or a victim or they're powerless in affecting their own life because these things over here must change for me to get what I want over here, okay? So generally speaking, yes, sometimes these things out here need to change to get what you need over here, but most of the time, it doesn't have to, you know? Most of the time, you have the power. You are more powerful than you think you are, okay? So, um, I'll talk about that separately in another talk about kind of your, what we call your sense of self-trust and self-efficacy, which is, it's delicious. I love talking about that stuff, but not today. So anyway, uh, reality checks is a big thing, knowing what your anchor is and who your anchor is. Secondly, ask yourself, why is it so hard for me to hold space, to hold sacred space for someone whose belief is not in line with mine. Why is that difficult for me, okay? So instead of being outward focused and thinking about what needs to change out there, we go within, right? Because it's our reaction and our reality and we go inside. It's a mindfulness approach and it's called curiosity. It's being curious and going, what is it about me that's having difficulty holding space for this person? What's the threat? What am I believing? If I hold space, what am I believing if I listen to what they have to say? I may not like it, right? And why, if you're finding yourself doing this, why do I have a need to be right? And if so, why? So these are really powerful self-inquiry that can really empower you at the end of it. And sometimes you need a, a skilled person to help you with that um, because it's a practice. It's a practice to go inside and really start to reflect on what is happening to me, okay? Which now I'm gonna move into a specific strategy, one of my favorites, I've talked about it months ago, 
my people who work with me know I do I practice this and that I we also do this a lot um, in our work together so it's a mindfulness-based intervention called RAIN and RAIN R-A-I-N stands for recognize allow investigate and nurture okay this is how we can start to turn it around and go within every time you're getting triggered out there go inside RAIN recognize is the R in RAIN is recognize oh there it is again I'm having that thing again I'm having that reaction or that intensity or that anger whatever it is okay no judgment a is allow and what allow means is we're just making room for it all we're not picking and choosing we're not saying these feelings can't be here you're saying you know what this is really uncomfortable I'm having a lot of anger and shame or whatever it is <sighs> they can be here too okay Okay, whatever is here can be here. Whatever those feelings are, right? We're just allowing. And if you can name them, even better. If you can go down, you know, and feel your way through and go, okay, I'm feeling angry, feeling scared, feeling anxious, I'm feeling really powerless. Just name it, no judgment. Then we move into the eye. This is one of my favorite spots. So in the eye, we ask two things. What am I believing in this moment? And what is the unmet need? Two powerful questions. That's going to be extremely illuminating for you okay so what am I believing in this moment about this person this election or this group or my spouse you can use this in with anyone and with anything oh I'm believing that you know America's gonna go to SHIT if Biden doesn't win right or I'm believing that we're gonna be a socialist or I'm believing that we're gonna be a socialist country and the economy is gonna tank if uh, Biden wins, right? Some of that may be true, some of it may not. But you're just observing. Now we've moved into the thoughts. We In A, we witness our emotions. And in I, we started witnessing our beliefs, okay? We're not saying they're right or wrong. You're just starting to have kind of an observatory function in what's happening to you internally. So you move into what's the unmet need? What do I need to know or hear or believe in this moment? And that, my dear, is where the rubber meets the road. Meaning the unmet need is what creates pain and suffering in us. And it what usually leads to all of these behaviors some extreme the more extreme the behavior I find the deeper the unmet need and it's not our fault okay but I, like I always have said in my talks it is our personal responsibility to take care of ourselves so that you know we can make a, the world a better place basically right we can't wait for the world to change we have to be the change so what is the unmet need and if we we we, we just look at the maybe our own reality actions to the political environment I would guess based on my own experiences and my you know hearing stories from clients there's a lot of unmet needs around safety around control around certainty around peace and justice and all of that belongs all of that belongs but the thing is it's also happening not just on the Democratic side on the Republican side they're also saying that to me oh I'm worried you know we're not gonna have justice and peace and blah 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 so it's really interesting you know that both parties are expressing similarities in what they are worried about and what they find threatening and again I think for me it's a gift because it helps me stay more neutral you know and and kind of practice these mindfulness techniques of curiosity and open-mindedness so 
Again, back to the ring. Recognize that you're in that place again. You allow for all the feelings. In the I, you ask yourself two questions. What am I believing in this moment? Write it down. And what is the unmet need or the unmet needs? Sometimes there's more than one. And why is that important? Because once you know that, we can move into the N. And N is nurture, okay? Nurture is basically where we do the self-care. How do I nurture myself now that I know, now that I I have insight into what I need. If it's a need to feel safe, how do I ground myself? You know, start with the body. If it's a need to feel safe, do I need to like give myself some data to support that I am safe in this moment? right so when when that person texted me and said um you know i woke up in the middle of the night throwing up so forth i just let her know like listen you know i know you know there's a part of you that's feeling really scared and threatened right now let's remind that part that in this moment you are not in imminent danger you are safe you have power you have control you have choice within your circle of power of influence right and so that helped this person calm down and it got her back into internal locus of control mode versus external locus of control mode, okay? So that's what nurture can look like. Sometimes it's the grounding of the body and sometimes it's the redirection of the thoughts through using data and factual information to ground yourself. Sometimes it's through action. Maybe you need to join a group. Maybe you need to lobby. Maybe you need to, you know, volunteer for a cause that you believe in. That stuff can empower us. You know, that's why it's the United States of America, because you can do those things. You know, we can protest, we can speak up, we can um, advocate for things. So it doesn't mean we're always going to get what we want right but we get to do that so maybe that's what a part of you needs to do so as you move through this the needs might be different and the self-care strategies might be different it's not a one-size-fits-all okay but i wanted to offer that to you guys and if you want to deepen your practice of rain um see a therapist or you can also listen to tara brock She's a mindfulness teacher, Tara Brock, uh, T-A-R-A-B-R-A-C-K. And she is amazing in talking about these things as well. Okay, somebody wants to be in my video. Hold on. Approve. Delane, I think she's in London. Hold on a second, you guys. Thank you so much for your patience. It says adding. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull this off. Come on. Connecting. (gasps) There you are. How are you? (laughs) Do you have something you want to share with the group? Well, I really just joined. So I was just getting, I guess, the end or I don't know. I was just listening to what you were saying and uh, about stress and how to deal with it. And so if I have anything to say afterwards, then I will. Thank you so much for that. You're welcome. So now um, what I do? I don't know what to do now. Okay. So yeah, that was that was my first time doing that. So thank you. So yeah, so I'm talking. I was talking about rain, which is recognize, allow, investigate, nurture, and in investigate, we ask ourselves, what am I believing right now about this person, this party, this situation, and what are the unmet needs? And that is where the sweetness of it all is. Really, like I I swear by this technique. Okay, when you start to understand the unmet need, because that's what's driving the behavior. That's what's driving the intensity of the emotion. You can start to turn it around and support yourself and do things to ground yourself and have the internal locus of control like I talked about. So um, 
the other thing I wanna I wanna invite you guys to do is learn to be okay with not fully understanding why someone believes differently than you. Okay, learn to be okay with that. You may never fully understand. You know, voting is such a nuanced process. It's not a black and white process, you guys. It's not a matter of are you a Democrat or are you a Republican. It's so much more complex than that. And you don't have to understand necessarily why the other person believes that. I mean, you can try, right? That's part of like healthy debate and dialogue but at the end of the day if you're just still like well, I'm not sure that I really get it it's okay you don't have to but that doesn't mean we don't respect the other person right like we still need to uh, um, honor the other person regardless of where you both are in the political spectrum and remember when I first started this this gentleman uh, one of the therapists defined ele election stress disorder as um, a condition well it's not a diet you know it's not an official diagnosis okay just disclaim but it's characterized by hostility devaluing and resentment so if you're experiencing any of those three I'm sure it's not fun and it creates just that anger anxiety cycle right anger anxiety depression cycle so see if you can do a little bit of rain on yourself to kind of get some insight and some freedom into what it is what is it that's creating so much suffering you know a lot of times it's your beliefs and the unmet need. okay so if we learn to be okay with not fully understanding why someone believes differently than us then it's easier to move through it and easier to be in relationship with that person because we're not trying to be right anymore you know and if we feel secure enough right if we're if we're anchored enough and we're saying whoever wins is not you know it, it, that's not gonna kind of change who I am right and my anchor isn't a person or a political party or an election like I talked about earlier it'll be easier for you to to still be in these relationships you know what was really really um, sad to see for me as a therapist especially when Trump won um, the, the the you know in 2016 with the people I support there were so many relationships that ended so much conflict and so much kind of like ending termination of relationships um, with parents with siblings with aunts with best friends I mean this, you know I mean it, it wasn't necessary in my opinion but you know of course I'm gonna work wherever the client is at but a lot of it really had to do with this what I'm talking about the threat that we're perceiving that this person is you know um, posing to us our own powerlessness some cognitive errors the survival fight-or-flight mechanism you know that is kind of ingrained in us when we feel threatened so all those things um, when they happen it can create a lot of psychological and relational issues um, but it doesn't have to be that if we just open our hearts a little bit and learn to be okay with not understanding someone's point of view and learn to hold space for one another no the answer doesn't always have to be in ending something unless of course it's absolutely toxic and abusive right um two other things before i end thank you for hanging hanging around here um this uh, hopefully it's helpful to you guys so at the end of our life right this is another way to think about this the stuff that you're getting caught up now caught up caught up in now and the stuff that you're feeling really upset by now if you fast forward your life to the end of your life hopefully that's a long ways away from today are these the things that are really gonna matter to you right are these the things that you're really gonna be worrying about like oh so-and-so didn't vote for this person or so-and-so didn't believe in this you know my guess is probably 
probably not. That's this stuff is going to pale in comparison with what really is going to matter to you at the end of the day. So they say, and I agree with this, holding on to your values, to val time-tested values of compassion, kindness, love, respect, open-mindedness, open-mindedness. Those things will never get old. No matter what's happening, those are profound little bits of wisdom. And it feels good. Just try it for yourself. It feels better than anger. Is it hard? Heck yeah. But being angry and hostile and close-minded is hard too. Both cr can create discomfort, but the other one gives you more freedom and expansion. Love, respect, open-mindedness, kindness, you know, curiosity opens our hearts up and expands us and allows us to hold space in a time when we really, really need to. This is up to us, guys. This is not just up to the political parties. This is up to us in how we treat each other. And don't let social media, you missed this part of the talk, please go back. Don't let social media hook you and triangulate you into dysfunctional communication patterns, okay? Facebook and everyone else is getting richer because of this. We're like little pawns, you know? Don't let that happen. Find a way to anchor yourself and be clear about, or at least start to investigate. What is happening to me? Why am I feeling this way? And what is the unmet need? And how can I move through it? And again, if this stuff is getting harder and you're really starting to experience a lot of more um, frequent, persistent symptoms, like I talked about earlier, anxiety, depression, hopelessness, helplessness, a lot of conflict with significant others, hostility, devaluing, resentment, social isolation, dissociating, disconnecting, not, not healthy, especially not in the long run, okay? And that's time to maybe really consider talking to somebody like me, a therapist, so we can help you unpack and make sense of what's happening and help you get back to a more hopeful um, and happier and loving state of mind, okay? So that's it, guys. At the We reached the end of this long talk. Um, thank you for listening. If you have any questions, please let me know. If you have any thoughts, you don't, dis you don't agree with what I said, um, message me. Um, and it's not about agreement, right? It's my intention is to just uh, help you guys find a new way of relating to the personal suffering and to um, your fellow humans. And, you know, think about, pause for a second and think about, am I, is what I'm doing going to help or hurt somebody, right? Am I being part of the solution or am I perpetuating the divisiveness that I'm fighting against, right? We're all fighting against it, but what are we doing in the daily that is either helping that, creating more division or attempting to, to be more harmonious, okay? So like I always say, be well, be gentle, get mental. Thanks for watching because we all have issues and please be kind and learn to hold face for someone else's point of view, okay? Bye, take care. Thanks for joining us today on Get Mental with Cecile Ahrens. To learn more about Cecile, become a sponsor or guest on Get Mental, or if you have any questions about mental health, visit TranscendTherapyCA.com. That's TranscendTherapyCA.com. Join us next week at this same time for more talk on all things mental health on Get Mental with Cecile Ahrens. No.